Shameless Media. This episode of the Shameless Book Club is brought to you by Audible, the home of storytelling. Download the Audible app and start listening today. Just a content warning before we jump into this one. This episode mentions sexual assault and suicide and may be triggering to some listeners. If you or someone you know needs help, please call 1-800-RESPECT or Lifeline at 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to the Shameless Book Club. Last month, we read The List by Yomi Adegake. Ola is a high-profile journalist at a feminist website who was one month away from marrying Michael, the love of her life. One morning, they both wake up to the same message. Oh my God, have you seen The List? The List began as a crowdsourced collection of men in the media who had been accused of everything from sexual misconduct to homophobia. Ola would be the first journalist to report on a list like this one, but this time Michael's name is on it. Quite the concept. My name is Zara McDonald. I'm the co-founder of Shameless Media. Today I am joined by my co-founder, Michelle Andrews. Hello. And our content coordinator, Sahani Gunatilika. Hello. Hi. Guys, how are we feeling? I feel muddled. Yeah, my mind is scrambled. Okay, I feel like we've got a bit to unpack. <laughs> Sahani, I'll start Just with you. Let's talk about Yomi's career. This is her second book and kind of the context that our listeners might need before we dive properly in. I'm pretty sure everyone's seen this book everywhere. It's quite buzzy. And I think it's because she's a columnist at British Vogue and Vogue called it the media novel of the season. So she's a columnist at British Vogue and The Guardian. She's previously worked at Sunday Times, Stars UK, The Independent. So she's very familiar with the British media landscape. I saw in my research that she was in Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2021. And I thought that was a funny little thing because if people have read the book, they'd know that she kind of takes a dig at Forbes in the book. Yeah. yeah. By saying, yeah, by saying Kieran would call it ageist, capitalist, and the epitome of what is wrong with hustle culture. So <laughs> this is what I'm enjoying about Yomi Adegake from the outset is she speaks a lot and I'll kind of get to some quotes later in the episode about inconsistencies Mm -hmm. and having inconsistencies within her and how it was like a concept that she really wanted to explore and I think that's like a really good example of it of how she's able to hold two things as true at the same time. Well the funny thing is is that I'm sure it was a character character. thought that but I think Yomi putting that in the novel is an indication of that might not be how she feels but Mm. she knows other people feel that way. Well, it's a spectacularly exactly. self-aware thing to do. Mm. I think the other thing I found fascinating in my research was there was an 11-way auction for the publishing rights mm. for this book. And she said that when she first got an offer from a publisher for this book, the first offer she got was actually below the offer she got for her first ever book, Slay in Your Lane. And she was a bit flat on it. And then the second offer that came in was about 10 times the Whoa. amount of the first offer. So I obviously sit there being like, Well, the first offer couldn't have been less than a certain amount. So what is 10 times it? She would have been paid millions, I'm guessing, for this. I do think so. At least a million. And we're talking (laughs) pounds. Wow. I think at least a million AUD. Yeah, interesting. I found it fascinating as well that the other two books she's worked on, so she's done Slay in Your Lane. She also released the YA novel, The Offline Diaries. Both of those were with her longtime collaborator, Elizabeth Uvier-Benene. I found it interesting that you would release two books with one 
one person and then go off and do your own thing. Elizabeth was also mentioned in the acknowledgements of this book. I wonder how closely maybe she even worked as an editor or a proofreader on this together. You're trying to find mm. some random tea here? <laughs> I I, no, 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 not at all because they're really close. But it would be a weird experience to write, some, write two books mm. with someone and then go off and do it on your own for the first time. Well, it would be nerve-wracking. Yeah. It would be completely nerve-wracking to kind of break off and do your own creative pursuit very, very publicly. I mean, again, this is also going to be a TV series. There was a 17-way battle for the TV, right? TV production? (laughs) Everywhere. She was having meetings with the US. She was having meetings with the UK. In the end, it was eventually snapped up by A24. Oh, indie. Yeah, across collaboration between A24, Max and the BBC. Right. And she has said that when asked about the casting of this TV series, she said, I'd like to do like a normal people-esque, Paul Meskell, Daisy Edgar Jones type thing where you find people who are incredible but not that famous. We're going to get into the book in a second, but one question I have for both of you before we get into the book. Do you think there can be a good TV series made out of this book? I just let out a big sigh because, <gasps> I, well, I, I think there could be a good TV series. Do I think there could be a TV series where I'm invested to the level of Paul Meskell and Daisy Edgar Jones? No, because I didn't care about the relationship in this book. I think because the chapters usually ended with some sort of cliffhanger, particularly the parts. Mm. So I can see that working really well in a TV show. Yeah, right. Like a mini series, yeah, maybe exactly. if they did four episodes, one based mm. on each part. That's yeah. clever. Because each part I was like, oh my God, what happened now? Oh, so you had some oh my God moments. Did you not? Well, (laughs) shall we get into the characters and just go straight there? Because I feel like there's a lot for us to talk about. Who do you want to start with? Uh, Character-wise or out of you two? Character-wise. Lots of decisions. Let's start with Michael. Mish, I want you to kick me off with Michael. Oh, Uh, I didn't care very much about Michael and I didn't really understand who he was, what made him tick. I actually think one of my niche criticisms about the character development in this book is that we really didn't get to know anyone at all. Like this was such a plot driven book that the characters felt so unfleshed out to me. We were supposed to believe that Michael was this content creator who was really successful and had this podcast and now had these viral videos, but I didn't for a second get to see his charisma or why people loved him. He was supposedly famous on social media, but I never saw him pick up his phone and post an Instagram post. Like, I didn't believe Michael, and I actually didn't believe a lot of the characters in this book, but Michael in particular felt like, an impossible character to even picture. I could not visualise him. I could not place him. I didn't like him. I didn't care about what happened to him. And he was a shitty boyfriend or fiancé and then husband. (laughs) Sahani. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. I do find him quite real, to be honest. I understand what you mean about the content creation particularly because I don't see that part of it as real. But I do think the way that Yomi littered casual misogyny in the Mm. book was quite clever At the start, I was like, I'm not sure if he's innocent, but the whole time I was like, okay, I'm getting more and more evidence that he's not a good person. For example, the misogynistic podcast that he did with his friends and the segment Cakes of the Quarter, where they rate women's butts. I was like, okay, I can't overlook this. You're such an asshole. And not to mention him numerous times acknowledging that he's been horrible to women. Like Mm. women he was casually sleeping with and Ola. Mm. But I really was taken by a typical shitty boyfriend grappling with the fact that he may be a predator 
I thought that was so real because mm. I think a lot of men would be grappling with this post me too being like oh I've been a shit person but does that mean I'm a predator I think you're bang on with that I sort of agree not to be annoying but I agree with both of you to some level because I think there was some part of him that didn't feel real or realistic and didn't feel explored but there were parts of it sort of themes that felt real Mm. which were the idea that a guy like him who hasn't been perfect would start turning around being like does that make me one of these guys though I actually just found him kind of annoying and I think the reason his character fell down for me was not because of the stuff you spoke of Sahani but because the key factor in his character is meant to be his relationship with Ola and if I didn't believe their relationship and didn't believe there was any love to be saved here, the entire premise of the book collapsed for me and that's why I struggled with him. I mean, he was a cliché and I don't actually think in many ways he was a good cliché. Like the Jay-Z thing of like, oh, the woman's got too successful for me so I simply must cheat on her. It's always an interesting idea to discuss and it's always an interesting idea to explore. We've had many conversations on Shameless Mm. about it. I just didn't think it was pulled off in a particularly nuanced way. It was like you gave me every obvious fact of how to tell this story and told me it. Yeah, well, I actually think even to what Sahani was saying earlier, I think we agree. I loved the exploration of men being casually misogynistic. I loved the exploration of your friends saying things that are deeply problematic and not picking them up on it. Mm. That stuff was where I feel like the author did a really good job. I don't feel like the characters were characters, though. I think she was really great at fleshing out social justice movements and exploring themes, to your point, Zara. Fleshing out characters and painting a narrative that was character-driven completely fell down for me. It almost at points read like it was a non-fiction book that was great at untangling big societal issues, but not in a way that was a fiction book. Well, in the interview that she did with Vogue to publicise this book, she spoke about how she went through many phases of working out what this concept would be and how it would kind of live. And she thought at the start it was going to be a long read and then she thought it was going to be a play and then she turned it into a novel because of coronavirus and lockdowns Mm, and sort of having space to be creative. And as I was reading this book, I was like, oh, this definitely should be a short story because the concept is there, but the characters are not Mm. for me. And I think to your point earlier, Mish, about the sort of content creator angle, there was a celebrity angle to this book that I just didn't feel. Like I was Mm. told that these two are local celebrities, but I actually just didn't believe it for a second. I didn't get a single element of them being micro-celebrities. Yeah, and it didn't really make sense for Ola to be super private with her work colleagues. If work is such a huge part of her life and she's a micro-celeb, then that would be the content. They would know who you're dating because you're big on Instagram. Well, exactly. The relationship's actually just toxic to start. She had admitted in this book that she didn't post him on Instagram at all. She never posted him on her account. And Mm. I was like, this is super toxic. And then on page 285, it's actually towards the end of the book, Ola is talking to her girlfriends about hiring a private investigator and them saying that's kind of toxic. Oh, that was so fun. And Yomi wrote... Ola's stomach clenched with embarrassment. Some time ago, at her most insecure, she'd had Ruth and Celie take it in turns to spy on Michael's Instagram likes from one of the many joint burner accounts Ruth had created. They'd been a weave bundle vendor, a catering company that even used pictures from a former friend at St. Augustine's to front one. 
I'm like, why am I meant to care about this relationship and whether he's a good guy or not or whether he's actually done the things he's accused of when I don't, as I said, believe in the relationship to start with? It was always toxic and clearly so was he. Yeah, mm. why do we never get flashbacks to the good times either? Yeah, I would have believed this. Give me a year ago when apparently things are amazing. Give me the proposal story when you're overseas. I think they're in on a Greek island in Santorini or something. Mm. We didn't get any good stuff. So from the very beginning, I was like, I know this guy cheats on her. I know he's shit. I know he's misogynistic. Why do I care if she marries him or not? Mm. All right. So then tell me, Sahani, how you actually felt about Ola as a character. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like because a lot of the book is Ola going around in circles about whether she believes him or not, whether she trusts him or not. And I just found it really grating. If you're this unsure about your partner, don't marry him. Like I, I didn't think it was that hard. Because maybe that's because I didn't believe her love for him. I agree with that. If they had this perfect relationship up until yeah. this point and the relationship was super healthy, then I'd be like, gosh, the internal back and forth you would go through yeah, exactly. would be tough. 100%. Would be incredibly mm. tough. But this guy has shown you time and time again who he is. And <laughs> yes. whether or not this is true now is sort of not really the point. Why yeah. did Yomi Adedike make him such an unlikable character? I would actually love to know. Well, I, then I sort of got that to some extent because I was like, unlikable men can find themselves in lists like this, mm. lumped in with men who have done far worse. That is an interesting line of thought to be like, what do we do with all of that? Mm. If you are just a really shitty boyfriend and sexist and not a particularly likable person, should you find yourself looped in and lumped in mm. with men who have done far worse? I think that is an interesting idea. I just don't think it was explored well enough. I mean, I found Ola like pretty forgettable. I found her internal back and forth boring mm. by the end because I just felt like there was no development in it. And maybe that's realistic maybe that's what it feels like or would feel like but because the plot didn't move it was just her being like oh but I miss him oh but what if it's true (laughs) I was like okay and to your point who doesn't tell the people they work with who they're engaged to I appreciate privacy to some level but even your friends couldn't even recognize the fact that his name Mm. was on the list well Karan was supposed to be her friend she didn't even know she was at the wedding this was such an unfulfilling read for me (laughs) because I agree there was no character development I went through whole pages sorry I'm getting to some strengths and weaknesses now but when it came to Ola's internal monologue I read whole pages where I was like, we covered that 50 pages ago. Mm. And I could have literally seen a carbon copy of this exact page 50 pages ago. We have not moved anywhere. We have not developed anything. You feel torn. I'm being told constantly how you feel instead of being shown how you feel or what's going on for you. I feel like the only way we were shown that these people were in emotional distress was to tell us that they were losing weight. And we read that so many times in this book. I just found it repetitive. I found it stuck in a cycle of its own kind of like mess. And I know that this covered so many important things and I think it did have strengths. But the lack of character development was such a glaring weakness. Mm. But with Michael, I think it was really obvious at the end when he didn't really take accountability by blaming Jackie essentially Mm. for everything. I think maybe that was kind of the point. Maybe men don't take accountability for their actions. Maybe the lack of character development kind of speaks to the greater problem Mm. that she's trying to convey. But what about Ola's character development? Because that was it for me. Mm. There was nothing there. 
what was the point of Ruth? <laughs> Why was she in here? Like, what was the point of that? Because we got everything that we needed out of Ola's sister. Yes, Ola's yeah, sister was I like the her. heroic female in the book, and I really loved her. I think when it comes to Ruth, I was like, I don't really understand. I kind of want to talk about Celia a bit later in Strengths and Weaknesses because I think she's more a plot twist than mm. she is a character. But one kind of collection of people that I do want to speak on before we move on, and I know you sort of really briefly touched on them, Sahani, were Michael's friends. Oh. I actually thought that they were some of the strongest characters in I the agree. book. And I thought that dynamic was sort of one of the strongest parts of the book because they felt real and it felt like a real dynamic where you've kind of actually got the whole collection of assholes mm. who moonlight as like non-assholes. Like I've seen <sighs> that in my life. And you see a nice guy who has asshole friends but is able to kind of make excuses for them. And then you see the one guy in the group that's actually nice and you wonder why he's friends with the rest of them. Like mm. that was very real. That group chat was one of the biggest strengths, I think. The group chat and the way they spoke to each other and the way they endorsed each other and bolstered each other, I agree, was really well done. Can we speak about Ola's boss, Frankie, yes. for a sec? Oh, yeah. Frankie. I get why Frankie was there. We all know of middle-aged, problematic white women who are like Frankie. I just found that Frankie was so unrefined as a character, though, that I didn't really believe it. The idea of Frankie rocking up to a wedding that she wasn't invited to or Frankie being described to us in some points as conflict avoidant and so fake that you could never trust what she was giving you, but then also slamming Ola in a public Slack channel. So many things mm. that Frankie did, I was like, and then Who blackmailing her. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if someone's conflict yeah. avoidant if they're so happy to blackmail someone. She was so unrefined. For mm. me, I feel like it would be a stronger character if she was paired back 30% because we know what she's representing, but I don't think we see it in that level of obviousness. Yeah, I think she was one of the bigger caricatures for me. I remember when I was trying to get into media, I was very scared of people or the prospect of people like a Frankie that would blackmail to legitimise her work but at your expense, if that makes sense. Mm. So I see the point of including her, but you're right, she doesn't feel real. It was cartoonish. Well, yeah. I agree with both of you. It was a great character, like a great thought. So much of this book was a great idea to have. And then when push comes to shove, the characters weren't fleshed out enough to actually have meaningful impact. And I wanted someone like Frankie to have meaningful impact. Like she actually just came across as really evil towards the end. Yeah. And I still just don't believe a boss is going to get crashed your wedding. No, I just <laughs> don't believe that your boss is rocking like, up do at we your wedding. Do we actually think anyone would get crashed your wedding? I, I hope not. <laughs> I cannot imagine even mildly insane people. Which we know, we all know a woman like Frankie. Is she rocking up uninvited to a wedding? No. 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 And I think that's what I, I struggled with there. On one part of Ola, sorry, I know we're jumping around a lot, that I did find realistic, one part of her character or one part of her thought process that I really liked was on page 144. Because I feel like, you know, the book deserves some positivity <laughs> from time to time. And it's after... Ola has met with Rian and she's sort of filled with guilt and doesn't know what to do. Rian, of course, the anonymous person who created yeah. the list. 
And she said, Ola had known everything Rianne had said about the list in theory, but talking to her made it unbearably real. The women who contributed to it dominated her thoughts while she was awake and as she lay in bed drifting off to sleep. She saw their faces in her dreams. So Ola had become committed to showing herself in the world that she was indeed a good person. As soon as she got back into the office that day, she cornered Karan about her volunteer work at a woman's shelter in Tower Hamlets and offered to accompany her. She trawled GoFundMe for causes and donated two. <laughs> pounds to a single mother in Clapton who'd had her lease terminated early by her landlord. Then she'd smashed the more like this button to give another eight crowd funds in a row, being sure to tick the make my donation public button each time. <laughs> the gnawing sensation in the pit of her stomach remained. I thought that was a really important inclusion of like how we all feel from time to time that we need to be to put out the illusion that we're good rather than just be good. Yeah, mm. like performative goodness. And that it's often driven by guilt. Oh, like how that. often is it driven by purely altruistic motives? I thought mm. that was really great. I think Yomi showed women carrying that burden really well because even though this is Michael's fault, if he did do it, she was the one that was like feeling the brunt of it at times. Yeah, and I think she carried the brunt of it the whole time, mm. which is a strong idea. But we've got to get to the break and then we'll talk more about strengths and weaknesses after. Michelle, I know you've been throwing them around like candy already. <laughs> Mish, you know how much we love a good book and giving our listeners recommendations on what we love to read, but we couldn't do that without today's sponsor, Audible. Yeah, we love Audible. They are the home of audiobooks, podcasts and Audible originals. Their range is so extensive, there is something for every kind of listener. Couldn't agree with you more there. Our book club listeners have been raving about Eight Rules of Love by Jay Shetty, which takes the listeners through Shetty's guide to developing the skills needed to nurture love. Sounds like such a good one. For those who prefer fiction, there may be an audiobook like Happy Place by Emily Henry, which follows Harriet and Wynne, the perfect couple who break up and keep it a secret for six months, is perfect for you. Yeah, I love how an audiobook can just transport you to another world and take you away from the craziness of the day-to-day. The fact that it's hands-free entertainment makes it that much easier. If you want to check out more audiobooks, podcasts and Audible originals, download the Audible app and start listening today. Thank you so much to Audible for making this episode of the Shameless Book Club possible. All right, strengths and weaknesses. Sahani, would you like to give me a strength or a weakness? I'll give a strength. Nice. I I love that. We need some positivity. (laughs) I think the biggest strength of this book is how brave Yomi would have had to be to write this book. I agree. I think she toes the line between the Me Too movement and the Black Lives Matter movement really well. It almost felt like a modern day To Kill a Mockingbird to me because it shows how black men are disproportionately affected by the law and accused of these crimes, often by white women. That being said, I felt really uncomfortable about the story centering on false accusations. But this could also be (laughs) the climate that we're in with the Ashton Kutcher stuff flying around. Yeah, right. And the Danny Masterson stuff, the Mm. Russell Brand stuff. There's so much going on right now that I think is really affecting the way I'm reading this book. Do you think it's kind of different, though? To me, it's different, but I appreciate to maybe the broader public, it might not be, that this doesn't feel as much, I mean, it's definitely, you know, talking about quote-unquote false accusations, but I think the point is more about anonymous tip-offs on the internet rather than about accusations of men who have done terrible Mm. things because when we're talking about 
Danny Masterson that went through the courts and we're talking about Russell Brand that went through a three journalists, mm. yeah. three kind of publication journalism investigation. Like yeah. that stuff is is rigorous. And I think when I read some interviews with Yomi, she was saying, you know, as someone who comes from a journalistic background, she actually also studied law as well. She's sort of in this really interesting place of being like, I want women to tell people what's happened, but mm. also do I want a world where this can run rife on social media. I agree with you wholeheartedly, though. It is an incredibly brave thing to do. And I feel like at the start of the book, you and I were talking in the (laughs) office across our desks and we were like, which way is this going to go? Like, is this going to be a really predictable ending where he did the thing Mm. or is she going to go there? And she really tried to go there. Mm. I think it was a massive strength of the book. I don't think that this was an apologist book either. I did see that a lot on Goodreads. I think the forum of where these claims are made is so important. Can I actually read out that quote that you hinted to before? Yeah, I actually had it written down as well, so please. Yeah. Yomi told Vogue, as a feminist, I was like, this is amazing and important and people are speaking truth to power. It means women can get their stories out there and protect other women in a way that HR and the legal system often hasn't when it comes to abuse in the workplace. Then, on the other hand, being a journalist, I used to work at Channel 4 News, so there are regulations and you're very cautious of liability and you need the fact before you can report on something. So I always feel really conflicted and uneasy about those lists. I think that really summed it up for me. I mean, I've worked in digital media before with this kind of reporting. I am also a feminist who can see the perks of lists like this. I have also spoken about sexual assaults publicly before as well. I think this book did that incredibly well because I think being a realist is acknowledging that unchecked, unmonitored social media lists like this are open to being abused, just as women are open to being abused by men all the time. These lists are not the same as journalistic rigor. They're Mm. just not. And I think it was crucial to have stories like the ones we did in this book. The biggest strength for me was Lewis's story, someone who was hiding their sexuality, who did end up taking their life because of their involvement in this. Because we can't treat any of these themes as if they are quarantined from the other. These are so overlapping. What is put on social media does have such a mental health impact. What women do go through is so late and that you can't go to the police often because it's just not a helpful avenue. But also naming someone on social media can be so precarious. Mm. I think the layers of this were done pretty well. Although I have a lot of issues with the book, the fact that Lewis was in there And the fact that Michael had behaved poorly but not behaved abusively was crucial. Yeah, I do agree. I I completely agree. And when I finished the book, I just sat there and was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say about this on the podcast because I have no idea what I think. Mm. And I remember thinking, well, I'm just going to have to read a bunch of other people's reviews of this (laughs) book to see if I can make sense of my own thoughts. And I didn't end up doing that because where I ended up sitting with it was the fact that maybe that's the whole point, that when it comes to subject matter like this, it is a mess Mm -hmm. and we all are in a mess about it and that's probably the whole point. But we probably haven't had enough conversations, like really nuanced conversations about the state of the world post Me Too and the quote-unquote right and wrong way to have these conversations. I mentioned at the top of this episode that Yomi had these great quotes about being inconsistent in ourselves and she said, 
That's not to say we should embrace hypocrisy, but we should embrace being flawed people. At the moment, I feel like we're sleepwalking into this incredibly severe mental health crisis. That quote was actually about Mm. Ola and about how being held to a standard where you have to be consistent with everything you do and say and who you are will actually have a severe impact on your mental health because no one can be expected to be this whole consistent person. Mm. And she's, as she says, she has disclaimers. It's not to say that we should embrace hypocrisy, but we should embrace humanity. Mm. I also loved that the exploration that many people can act in bad faith, like many of us can be bad actors at points in our lives. And the people who felt like they were social justice warriors in these anonymous yes. forums were actually pretty awful people themselves and acting pretty awfully themselves that they were like, well, the men on this list are awful, but they themselves were doxing and just Mm. behaving in ways that were completely inhumane. I felt like that was really well done. I'm so glad forums were a theme. Yeah, that is such a good, good point. I wish I had that written down. (laughs) (laughs) The quote that stayed with me was, would you be okay with other crimes being handled via the court of Twitter? I just like was thinking about that for like days after yeah. I read it. The lawlessness of the internet is quite scary and the way things go viral, there's so much ruthlessness to the internet. And there's a part when they were talking about Lewis that the people that were sending him hate after like he committed suicide were also sending their well wishes. Yes. And that just that made me so angry because mm. it's you know, that's probably true to we see that every day we see that every single day to be honest I would see it in my own dms of people happy to like switch up their own moods Mm. with me depending on the story that's coming out do you know what I mean or the story that's being told people do it every single day and that is another incredibly realistic part of this book and I think it harps back to my original point which is the themes of this book were very realistic the characters used to tell the themes were not at all and that's why it was such a tough book to talk about on another line of thought completely, I got bored. Yes. I got bored reading this book. Oh my I'm God. so sorry. I just, I wouldn't have finished this if not for it being a book club book and the I rule agree. is we have to finish the book. Yeah, neither. Where did you get bored? Uh, Give me a page. I think I did okay for the first 100 pages because the Same. novelty of the concept carried me. After that, from 100 on, I was like, I'm just not interested. Well, so mm-hmm. often, and I mean, Zara was the one to race this with me, so I'll put it on the record. This is Zara's point, not my own. That's but right. you did turn to me at one point and go, why didn't they just postpone the wedding? Which is so true. <laughs> why did you not just postpone the but wedding? Then actually, I, to argue with myself, I changed my mind when I saw how many people she didn't know turn up to the wedding, like extended family members who had travelled internationally for the wedding, people she didn't have intimate relationships with. When that happened, I was like... I can kind of see why it felt too hard to cancel. Mm. It just felt like, I don't know, for me, I was like, you're a month out. If you're a week out, maybe you have 30 days. That is ample time for people to change their plans. I have had weddings postponed on me. This is not some like random thing that happens in books only. It's realistic to postpone a wedding. Yeah, look, maybe you're right there with that one. Let's talk about Celie because I think the twist of Celie, you know, having her abuser on this list was quite delicately done in the back end of this book. It was different. Everything made a bit more sense to me. And so I was like, oh, wow, how sad. And and it did move me. But there was also a point where I was like, well, Celie's character was nearly the one that lost me in the early pages. She might have been the reason that I put the book down because I couldn't fathom this friend who was straight away just in Ola's face about it all. Like I couldn't work it out. And even though at the end I was like, oh, I, I guess I guess that makes sense as to why she was so 
emotional about this. But in order to get to that plot twist, you have to keep people through the book. And I would have put the book down. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. That's an amazing point. Yeah. I feel like I would have loved to see her point of view right after the disclosure because I just think that would have added so much to the story. We don't really get to see the victim's perspective, period. No. And she would have been great to like carry yeah. that part of the book. Let I agree. see your mind and your brain and your yeah. feelings and your thoughts. We should have gotten that. I agree. Why did we not get this? This would have been an amazing revelation to then unpack for the rest of the book when mm. they were trying on wedding dresses. Why did it come so late after the wedding? It like, needed to come earlier. It needed yeah. to come earlier. The book needed 75 less pages and Celie's thing needed to be moved way up to keep us engaged. Because yeah. I agree, I was reading her being like, what best friend? She's the maid of honour. Also mm. that leaves the wedding. And I was yeah. like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And it kind of played into that idea that I didn't feel like any of it was realistic. And then, of course, later, Celie's clearly very traumatised by everything that's happened and, and by her own experience and how public this all is. And I was like, oh. But again, I wish at least we had her perspective and her thoughts and her feelings as her own main character side by side to this. Even if I she agree. didn't feel at that point in her life she wanted to tell mm. Ola about what had happened, that makes sense to me. It's yeah. hard. How do you just tell people these things? But if we had her narrative side by side... Mm. I think this would have been so much stronger. Yeah. I agree. I felt the same way about Jackie. Like when Michael was talking about cheating with Jackie, I would have loved to see Jackie's point of view. When I was reading Michael's perspective, I was thinking the whole time, this sounds like the trope that, oh, my ex is crazy when really he drove her to be crazy. Yeah, of course. Mm. And I just wanted to see Jackie's point of view. Obviously, we get that at the end. And I did speed through that, but it needed to come earlier. I disagree with you there. Really? I think the Jackie thing was actually handled really well. I loved it finishing with a little vignette of Jackie's home life with her boyfriend and that just being dropped in at the last minute. As brief as it was, I feel like that gave me everything I needed, but I needed 75 or 100 less pages in the book, full stop. I don't know. Just felt a bit fantastical to me. Yeah. Really? That I, I loved as well that it was actually a man who had put Michael on that That's list. True. I feel like that was an expertly done, That's that true. a man knows that the one way to cancel another man is it to did. accuse him of abusing women. Like, I just thought that was really Yeah, that's true. That's brilliant. probably true. I, I, I like, theoretically, I agree with you. But when I was in the book, I was like, okay. You didn't believe it. Well, I was just like, all done now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like. I didn't understand it. I didn't, I didn't just, there was so I much <laughs> I didn't understand. And I, I had such high, high hopes mm. for this book. I really, really did. And I would love to see more of this kind of subject matter when it's done really delicately. Because I will say, I actually think it was done relatively delicately, even though I don't think it was a strong novel. I think from my perspective anyway, and I know people will have like a vast array of opinions on this as they should. I do think that it was explored in a delicate way that kind of was nuanced and mm. I liked that. Mm-hmm. It was too nuanced, if anything. <laughs> it was, it's, yeah. She unpacks everything. And you're just sort of sitting there being like, cool. I'm just yeah. a girl. <laughs> like, yeah. something just, I was honestly like, I'm just a baby. I don't know what my brain thinks anymore. Uh, I do think it's time to talk ratings. So no, you need to go first. Don't what look at me. <laughs> yeah, Zara's going first because you brought it up. Good job, Sahani. We've taken control. What's your rating? <laughs> wow, I just got bullied into that. <laughs> Guys, what do I think? I have to be honest and not just try and be generous because I'm sitting here with a microphone in front of my face. I think I'm giving it a two. 
Mm. I don't. I think it would be unfair of me to give it anything more than a two. I've got to say, halfway through this episode, I thought, oh, just bump it to two and a half. <laughs> just do it. But I don't think that's fair, so I'm going to give it a two. Sahani. Okay, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking about that I rated Alone with You in the Ether too, and I can't rate it the same. Yeah, this is a better book than Alone with You. Why did you give that book two? That was very point. generous. <laughs> what did I give? I wonder what I... You keep speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I think what really was a draw card for me was the lack of pacing with this book. Mm. I was expecting a page turner when I read the blurb and she did not deliver. Yeah. And for that reason, I have to rate it a 2.5. Because I had so many conversations with everyone about it. I asked all the men in my life, what do you think of this? Well, and I always love a book that's really enjoyable to have conversations about. And I have mm. really enjoyed having this conversation with you yeah. two. But that probably bumped it up from a 1.5 to a 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mish. I've just fact-checked. <laughs> I gave Alone With You in the Ether a 1.5. You gave it a one, Zara. <laughs> <laughs> That's a surprise to no one, Zara. was miserable reading that, that book. Yes. It's got to be a two. Mm. I just didn't enjoy it, guys. Not going <laughs> to lie. I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. I wouldn't have finished it if it wasn't for this. I really, really admire Yomi Adegake as a journalist. I think she does incredible work. I have loved reading some of her stuff for Vogue in particular before. This book was not it. I don't think it was a good fiction book. One thing that I forgot to write down and to mention during this is I have enjoyed reading the interviews from Yomi about this book far more than the book mm. itself. The way she articulates herself about these massive ideas are so succinct and beautiful. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the stuff that I love. Or if this was the format for the conversation. But she is incredibly clever. I will always have respect for what she does. I probably will still try and watch this TV series because I'll be intrigued as to how they do it. And mm. I'll wait to hear your review and decide <laughs> if I'm getting on board. Should I... we do a review of the TV show when it comes <laughs> well, on? I want to do adaptation reviews, I think guys. that would be fun. Yes, I love that. I also want to hear from the listeners because when we put our little gallery up of you guys mm. reading this book in situ... Everyone's comments was so many thoughts. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts. So intrigued to hear what you guys say about this. What the fuck did you guys think? <laughs> well, everyone was so nervous to say I liked it, I didn't like it. Come tell us, did you like this? I what mean, are your many thoughts? We were nervous to say what we really Yeah, yeah that's, that's so true. That's, that's so fair. fair. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fraud. Uh, guys, that is all we've got time for for our September instalment of the Shameless Book Club. Next month, we are reading None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. It's a New York Times bestseller already. It is a Sunday Times bestseller already and has been billed as, and I quote, a scintillating new psychological thriller about a woman who finds herself the subject of her own popular true crime podcast. Kind of a different one for us. Yes. We don't do the psych thrillers all that often. I am so excited to do a psych thriller. I'm ready. I'm here. Give me all the spine tingling. Make me feel something. And it's I'm excited <laughs> to have a conversation about true crime podcasts, to be oh, honest. Yes. I think that would yes. be interesting. All right, guys, you know where to find us. We are on Instagram at The Shameless Book Club. We are on TikTok at The Shameless Book Club also. Um, <laughs> see you later. Bye. Bye. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your 
ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.